Doctor Who Pod Shop. Okay, well, let's do it now. I <laughs> you know, whatever it is, if it's valuable, send it to us. <laughs> <laughs> For the best in all things Doctor Who, it's Doctor Who Podshock, the podcast all about Doctor Who, the longest-running science fiction television program with Louis Trapani. Hello. Ken Deep. Hello. James Norton. Hello. News. Fabulous. Reviews. Oh, no. And fan mail for James. Uh, 40,000. Doctor Who Podshock from the Gallifrey Embassy and Outpost Gallifrey. You know, that guy James was really cool. Oh, yeah. What blew that? I'm the Doctor. And who are you? And who are you? Outpost Gallifrey presents Doctor Who Podshock, episode 108. Could we go and see my dad when he was still alive? Where's this come from all of a sudden? All right, then, if we can't, if it could be sent to laws of time or something, then never mind, just leave it. No, I can do anything. I'm just more worried about you. I want to see him. Your wish is my command. But be careful what you wish for. When we met, I said, travel with me in space. You said no. Then I said, time machine. It wasn't some big plan. I just saw it happening, and I thought, I can stop it. I did it again. I picked another stupid ape. I should have known. It's not about showing you the universe. It never is. It's about the universe doing something for you. So it's okay when you go to other times and you save people's lives, but not when it's me saving my dad. I know what I'm doing. You don't. Two sets of us being there made that a vulnerable point. But he's alive! My entire planet died. My whole family. Do you think it never occurred to me to go back and save them? But it's not like I've changed history. Not much. I mean... He's never going to be a world leader. He's not going to start World War Three or anything. Rose, there's a man alive in the world who wasn't alive before. An ordinary man. That's the most important thing in creation. The whole world's different because he's alive. No. Don't touch the baby. You're both the same person. That's a paradox, and we don't want a paradox happening. Not with these things outside. Anything new, any disturbance in time makes them stronger. A paradox might let them in. He's a Time Lord, and he's got a TARDIS, so you sort of think, well, something's going wrong with time... You just solve it like that. So it's funny, out of all the science fiction series, I think there's been less time anomaly, time muddle, time change stories in Doctor Who than in any other science fiction series, because, because he's a time lord. Explain yourself. I said no. What is the meaning of this negative? It means no. But she will be destroyed. No. Because this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to rescue her. I'm going to save Rose Tyler from the middle of the Dalek fleet, and then I'm going to save the Earth, and then, just to finish off, I'm going to wipe every last stinking Dalek out of the sky! But you have no weapons, no defenses, no plan! Yeah. And doesn't that scare you to death? Rose? Yes, Doctor? I'm coming to get you. Mommy? Please let me in, Mommy. Please let me in, Mommy. You all right? Please let me in. You mustn't let him touch you. What happens if he touches me? Make you like him. And what's he like? I've got to go. Nancy, what's he like? He's empty. It's him. Are you my mummy? So, um, who are you supposed to be then? Captain Jack Harkness. 133 Squadron, Royal Air Force. American volunteer. A cell phone, a liquid crystal watch, and fabrics that won't be around for at least another two decades. Guessing you're not a local girl. Guessing right. Everybody lives, Rose. Just this once. Everybody lives! 
Welcome to another live episode of Doctor Who Podshock. This is Lewis Trapani. Joining me in this um, illustrious podcast is Ken Deep. Hello, Ken. Hello. Hello, hello. Good to have you on board. Also, Great to be on board. It's, it's always a pleasure. It's always um, fabu to have you here, Ken. And um, if you weren't here, you would be somewhere else. And... I would be, yes. Yes. Um, also here with us is, of course, the Great Pond, is Dave AC. Hello, Dave. Hi, and hopefully standing in for James, who's absent, I'm afraid, today. Yes, you're our voice from, of course, the Pond today. You are our statesman. <laughs> well, you're my hero, by the way, for mentioning me to uh, Wendy Pambry, both of you. So uh, anything I can do to repay that, you know. <laughs> we slipped out your phone number, too. We thought, hey. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she said, if you're ever in France, you can swing by and say hello. <laughs> so um, we went nine long years after the last transmission of Doctor Who on the small screen. Paul McGann was the eighth Doctor, and uh, that was back in 1996, and it went through a vast wasteland of no new Doctor Who material. Of course, there was um, Big Finish audios that started coming out, and you had some webcasts, and um, in fact, we had, this is um, this podcast is going to be centered around the ninth Doctor, but we actually had an official ninth Doctor before Christopher Eccleston via a webcast. It was Richard E. Grant playing the Doctor. And it seemed at that time, well, this is what do we have? And, you know, it's better than nothing. I would, you know, we would still prefer the television series coming back to its rightful place, you know, as a television series. Um, but, you know, we would take whatever, you know, they're giving us, you know, it's better than nothing at all. And um, and then to our surprise, I remember when the news was first announced, I, I, gave, um, I gave Ken a call. And I said, Ken, are you sitting down? <laughs> if not... Please sit down because um, you're not going to believe this news. And um, it was my pleasure to um, break the news that that there was going to be a new television series that Doctor Who was coming back to the small screen, and um, and and the rest is sort of history. But um, but to lead this comeback, you had to have someone uh, manning the helm that really had some um, some weight, some significance, um, someone that was going to really bring back the series in style. Um, in a, in a commanding role, at the, it was announced it was going to be Christopher Eccleston. And although um, some of us had seen him in other roles and all that, most of us, at least in the U.S., weren't that familiar with him. It wasn't an instant recognition as far as his name goes at that time. And um, so we kind of scurried about to kind of get familiar with what he's done in the past and what he looks like and envisioning him as the Ninth Doctor and, and speculating on, on how he was going to play the role and uh, when the episode Rose finally got leaked out on the internet, a couple, it was about three weeks before, Ken? Yeah. Yeah, yeah mid-March, when it was supposed to air in early April. So we believe, got our first it? taste, yeah, I, I believe it was uh, about three weeks ahead of time, and we got our first taste of um, of Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor, and... Um, we were blown I, away. Yeah, I mean, with any first Doctor story... It's, it's hard to kind of judge, and we knew that going into that, you know, that, that um, you know, very rarely is the first, the first story of a new Doctor a stellar story that's going to really enca- encapsulate what this Doctor's about, because the actor um, himself is finding 
his feet as well in the role. So you really have to give the actor some time. And I think a few episodes in, we pretty much knew who um, the Ninth Doctor was and, and his style. And um, it, it, for me, it, it, it harkened back a, a bit to Tom Baker in a certain sense, because uh, for the first time we had a Doctor that could really go from being um, a bit silly or, or um, lighthearted with a big, with, with a big smile and then on a turn of a dime get really serious and 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 take the situation by the by by the reins and and um and and everyone in the room will know how serious he is i mean he um he really has a um a command presence when he's in the room i mean you can really feel his presence in the room and i and i think that shows more than anything else that that you always know when he's there and he's always in control of the situation, even when he doesn't seem like he is. Unfortunately, it was an abbreviated um, role as the Doctor. I mean, it was only uh, one television series or one season, um, to use a term that most people are familiar with in the U.S. It's, um, I know it was, um, that was another thing, was just when Rose was transmitted, uh, news broke out that he was going to be leaving. <laughs> I'm like, well... Come on, you didn't give it a chance. So, but we will, in in hindsight, really kind of um, realize that this was per, it was a predetermined plan. You know that that he pretty much was going to lead the series in, and someone else was going to pick up. You know, he was going to do it for a year, and someone else was going to pick it up afterwards and, um, and 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 take the helm. And we all know that's David Tennant, the tenth Doctor, who, who's done that. So, um, Ken, what was? Let, let me hear from you. What was your um, initial take of um, Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor. Well, first, I'm I'm going to follow up with something that you were speaking about with with Rose. Uh, you know how blown away we were when we saw the leaked pilot of the new series. Mm-hmm. But I think it's actually the second episode, uh, the End of the World, that really sells him as the Doctor. The first one, as you said, is very difficult to get a. a um, a grasp of what the doctor is going to be like from just the first story. And first doctor stories traditionally are um, stories where the doctor is finding his feet. The audience is kind of getting comfortable with the new doctor and on screen, it has to play out with the, who is this guy? What's he all about? Uh, I think Russell T Davies handled it perfectly in that he just jumped right in. Uh, There wasn't a regeneration scene. There wasn't a lot of explanation and we saw we met this new doctor through the eyes of the companion who developed very quickly. The, the episode is not only called Rose, and it really is her focus in that first episode, but we relate with her because she's a person of the 20th, 21st century, uh, you know, modern, the, the modern world. And we get to know her a little bit. See, she has a boyfriend and a family and a job and all this. And then she meets the doctor. And that, that leads us into meeting him very, we see him as the outsider because we're relating with Rose, you know, being the audience. It was very much like the unearthly child in that sense. Very much like the unearthly child. And then when you get to the end of the world, that's the selling point. And that's the Daleks. Daleks. (laughs) Where you go to see something fantastic. uh, and, And it sells Rose to the fact that this strange blue box actually goes places. And then the audience, for, for you and I, and, and I and imagine many of the Doctor Who fans at that time, it was um, 
confirmation that this wasn't going to be the wobbly set Doctor Who. When you saw the the special effects, oh yeah, and the monsters and the creatures and the set design, uh, yeah. and then the thing that for me was a was was a major selling point was that the the peripheral characters were very believable and very interesting, and uh, it, and then the. I think that really pulled you in, and then of course the the next story in Unquiet Dead, uh, we, we dabbled a bit in history, uh, and jumping a little bit ahead with sort of a Marco Polo thing, although that was the fourth story. Similar lines where the, the, the you know early in the season they go from a very futuristic thing to back in time to do something a bit historical. The thing that I I think really stands out for me about Christopher Eccleston's portrayal as the Doctor. Not only is he really wonderful, and he's the exact opposite of just about anything you'd expect that a doctor would be right off the bat. He's yes. wearing a leather jacket. He has short hair. There's nothing corny about his appearance. Uh, he's not wearing some kind of colorful jumper or a wacky coat or you know something like that. He looks like just your average guy walking down the street. But Christopher Eccleston lets his portrayal make him alien, make him different. And you compared him a bit to Tom Baker, and I think that's a very, it's, it's a very valid comparison in that Tom Baker could switch on a dime from being yeah. this jovial character to being this deadly serious character, and Eccleston pulls that off very well. And I remember there was some discussion around the time that they were writing The Five Doctors, or at the time, let's just say, the anniversary story. Uh, I believe Terrence Dix, or it may have been Robert Holmes. I think it was Dix, Terrence Dix that said that originally when, they wrote the, when he wrote the script for Tom Baker's inclusion into the story, that he had the Baker Doctor um, with Barusa, and that whole Barusa join me, you know, join me, Doctor, that it was Tom Baker's Doctor that he felt could would um, would be the one you'd think would join the dark side at the last minute change, and that's Tom Baker and that's Christopher Eccleston. Christopher Eccleston, at any moment, you could you could see him having this internal struggle and then decide on the side of right when he says, you know, well, who are you, Doctor Coward or you know, hero? And he's like coward all the time. You know, you 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 don't know is he where is he going with this? Where is he going with this? And at the last minute, he pulls back. Um, we were very lucky we had such a dynamic actor to launch the new show. Uh, we couldn't have asked for better. Um, it, it's a case, unlike Paul McGann, where he was shortchanged. Christopher Eccleston was given just enough time to really make his mark on Doctor Who and not enough time to wear himself out. And although I really love his portrayal as a doctor, if we never had another Christopher Eccleston adventure ever again, an audio, uh, another appearance on the show, uh, whatever. He has enough of a mark to say, that's it right there. You want to know what his doctor is all about? It's right there. Yeah. And I, I think I, that's what makes something like that special. It wasn't like Paul McGann was just straight up cheated out of being the doctor. Christopher, Christopher Eccleston did what he wanted to do, under his terms and under Russell T. Davies' terms, came in, made a mark, and then stepped aside. Yeah, I remember very vividly you telling me, I think it was the, you know, the very beginning of um, Aliens of London, I believe, where he's that sequence with the, 
we think it's a pig alien and and there's shots that are fired and and you see uh, the ninth doctor get you know very angry that that you know just because he's different you just don't fire and that was very doctorish and i remember you saying he is the doctor at that point it when we watched that episode, and we, we watched it around within a couple hours of, uh, of watching that, I mean, we may have even watched it together mm-hmm. uh, that evening. I remember thinking, as you as you just rightly said, I, I remember him coming around the corner, and the and the and the soldier fired. And to the credit of the actor, the extra playing the soldier, he realizes in his facial expressions that he's done something absolutely horrible. That that fear made him fire that gun. The, the extra in that scene sells it. Yeah. In addition to Eccleston, who instantly releases this empathy for another, for another creature and makes you stop and think. And, and yes, right at that moment, I said, that's the doctor right there. That's why Christopher, Christopher Eccleston was cast. If there was any proof that needed that, this, that Doctor Who is back, it's right in that scene. Exactly. And then, of course, when you get to the doctor dances and the everyone lives rose that's the next that's the magic of doctor who right there everything when when william hartnell said that little bit of the magic of doctor who stays with you for the rest of your life that's it right there if there was any doubt that the new series whether the new series had the magic or not when everybody lives rose that's the, that's it right there there's the magic you can point right to it and say show you know this is what great Doctor Who has always been about. Absolutely. You know, and there's something else about Christopher Eccleston, and and I, I don't know if this is just me or, or not, is that um, there seems to be a guarantee that even if the episode is maybe not the best story ever, you know, with Doctor Who, or if it had some, draw, um, you know, some failings or whatever, some drawbacks, um, Christopher Eccleston still sells it. It's still... You, it's sort of like a quality assurance um, during, I mean, we didn't really realize at that time that's what the case was. But, you know, going back, if I ever go back and, and now watch some Christopher Eccleston episodes, I know, you know, that, that I'm, you know, it, it's going to be at least, um, okay, if you go back to our ratings, uh, how we reviewed everything, there's not one story that got lower than a, a three potters grown, you know, in the Christopher, uh, granted it's only one year. But it, it just mm. seems like there was a quality assurance during that time that it, that you weren't going to be totally disappointed with any given episode. Well, you know, it also goes, it, 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 part of it is Christopher Eccleston who holds it all together, and part of it is that, and we've discussed this on past part, podcasts, they had to come out and hit home run after home run in the first year. And many of those writers brought their best. When they, when they got the phone call, the one that Russell T. Davies describes in, in the confidential about this is the phone call you've been waiting to get every writer brought his a game right off the bat and and knew that this was a golden opportunity everybody knew this was the opportunity uh it was the right time the right people were in place every single uh, person from the writers to the production team to the actors knew if the show was going to relaunch Everything had to fall into place just right, and and Davies knew that and knew exactly what it took to get there. He waited his you know his, his entire career for this moment, um, and now the rumors that you know he may be stepping aside, and, and I'm fine with that. Uh, I think that he's done his job the way Eccleston did his job. The show is out. There's a quality standard that has to be maintained now, and uh, you know there's nobody who's going to come in and say, well, 
watch, you know, I'll, I'll just cheap out on the show. I think it's, it's, real, it's uh, recognized as the institution uh, that it should be now, not only in, in Britain, but around the world. And uh, I just hope one day Christopher Eccleston does a convention appearance because I would absolutely love to have him sign a photo or say hello and say thanks for, for you know, for bringing the show back and, and doing something really amazing. I think it's inspired casting by the, uh, the people who run the show Heroes for NBC to have him step aboard. Um, just a brilliant idea and a chance to have some fun with a, a different type of character. And I'm, we've discussed this almost a year ago, maybe more, that uh, the rumor is that he'll, he will play number six in one of the versions of The Prisoner mm -hmm. being remade, uh, which I also think is inspired. I think he's the right guy for that role, someone who uh, can handle, um, can, can play a dark role, but still being sympathetic. Um, yes, yeah, I think that I would think be great casting there for him to play that part. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, I would love to see him at a convention too. I mean, I don't think it's going to happen anytime soon, but if and when it does happen, it will be fantastic. And for the Blake Seven fans out there, uh, I would consider him for the part of Avon as well. Uh, there were many questions, even on a CIA podcast we talked about, and I, I don't remember if we mentioned Christopher Eccleston, but he would be a. I mean, he's a splendid choice for just about anything. But you know, if you, if you said, "Okay, Christopher Eccleston is going to be in the remake of Blake Seven as, as Avon," I think every Blake Seven fan would be sold. You know, we're there. Count us in. Whereas if they said it was, is there any talks of a remake? There, there's always talks of things, but you know okay. that they've been talking about it for a long time, and uh, I don't know. Uh, it's one of those situations where uh, they need a uh, Russell T Davies of their own to get that project off the ground. Um, uh, the, I the think audio Doctor Who. <laughs> well, rumor has it. Yeah. <laughs> I think they're going to remake Tripods before. I think they're going to make. Sorry, Ken. I think I think they're going to make Tripods before they do that. Well, Disney has the option on Tripods. They they've uh, they have the options on the on the. Uh, John Christopher books. And so it's, it's probably going to be an American production. As a matter of fact, the last I checked, I think they were shooting it in, scheduled to shoot it in West Virginia or something. It was pretty a, primarily a, a, uh, an American production. A theatrical so, release or a television series? Yeah, uh, uh, yes. That, I think they would have been a little bit better served to try to tap in on the, the War of the Worlds hype a few years ago and try to get it out as a family version of, of War of the Worlds. Uh, I, don't, I hope the time hasn't come and gone. The, the other thinking on that could be that now that it's uh, the War of the Worlds hype has passed, it can stand on its own three feet. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, it'll, it'll, it'll be judged on its own merit, not a War of the Worlds ripoff. So... To me, uh, the, the, the Tripods is something that, that was a phenomenal book, a phenomenal television show, and it deserves to be a phenomenal movie. And it's more than just a, a, a book or a movie about, um, you know, aliens and tripods like the War of the Worlds. It's a metaphor for growing up that, that, is, weaved, that is weaved through the White Mountains book and, and the journey, the passage that young men make into adulthood. And I think it's a brilliant, a brilliant idea. I think Disney... 
you know, I think it's in the right hands with Disney, provided it's not made too corny. Yeah. We should note that the television series uh, never came to conclusion. They had one more series to go. And that's- and whose fault was that? <laughs> one man, one visionary television executive, Michael Grade. I was going to say, I don't know who makes the grade there. <laughs> a, a man who's whose integrity stands right up there with the likes of Richard Nixon. (laughs) All right. Well, on that note, we're going to go across the pond and uh, see what Dave has to say. Now, Dave was there um, in the UK during the whole, when we had no Doctor Who, and he's been a a fan since, um, literally since the beginning. And uh, um, Dave, how was Christopher Eccleston, the Ninth Doctor, received in the UK? Well, it was absolutely excellent news, and and I must make a quick apology there for for uh, helping uh, Ken to go on a rant, but I, I just couldn't resist uh, dropping <laughs> Sorry, that word. No, no, I love it when you go off like that. Um, and 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 if I can go to your answer in a minute, just on a personal note, I was with the family, my daughter and friends, uh, uh, Tom. Uh, Judy and Sandy uh, yesterday in Manchester and they'd they'd be looking around Manchester before I met them up for an evening meal Uh, and they'd gone just gone past the the local Starbucks in Manchester and there was Christopher Eccleston with a big beard on well not uh, not a false beard uh, presumably for uh, uh, having coffee in Starbucks so I assume he's in some sort of production in a Manchester theatre at the moment so um, it's not our work folks Uh, you know Doctor Who hasn't killed his career (laughs) So that's the good news. Um, But to get back to the excitement, oh, it it was tremendously excited. I mean, um, there's always this phrase that, you know, things happen for a reason and and so on. And uh, we were so desperate for Doctor Who with all the false starts. And when they they had the McCann film uh, and then nothing seemed to come of it. And then the, I believe the rights lapsed between the different companies and so on. And we were all despairing that Doctor Who would ever come back. So this was a tremendous piece of news. And to, as you quite rightly said, Lewis, to have such a a great actor at the beginning um, was wonderful. And unfortunately, the timing again, I mean, these press releases, I mean, I must admit, I don't seek all spoilers out, but uh, it was a bit... you, You were just going to invest your loyalty in this new actor as taking over... Uh, this part that you have to your heart, you know, you, that the, the you you want to protect, and then you know, sooner getting to sit down to it, and 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 you find that the person's not staying with the part, and I think that really gave uh, Christopher Exelston um, a little bit of um, a hurdle to uh, to jump with the fans, and also, of course, the first episode was very uh, cent- uh, centered around Rose, and for all the reasons that you gave at the beginning. Um, I suppose that had to be, but it, it it was almost in danger of becoming, you know, Rose's adventures with the Doctor. But all that well, in, seemed... in hindsight, though, that seems mm-hmm. to work, Dave, and that knowing that Christopher Eccleston was going to leave after the first season, the audience needed someone that they could lock in on and make that transition with. So Rose oh. was almost essential. It was almost essential that she was such a strong character. Had she been a weaker character... The whole thing could have fall, fallen flat on its face after the first year. Yeah, and of course, uh, Billy Piper in this country, I mean, um, there was a little bit of uh, confusion as to how she would, uh, would, w- would go up against the great uh, Christopher Eccleston in terms of uh, 
she was known as a young 16-year-old singer who had a pop record. And, um, you know, there was no real uh, clue as to the fact that she would be able to um, act up against him. But it was absolutely fabulous. I mean, um, the, the Rose was a very, very strong story, although, as we said, it wasn't a uh, thing. Uh, we were, there were lots of other things that were, were, were circling around the whole thing because we were so starved of it. We were sort of analysing every little thing, you know, about how much this um, uh, domestic situation of Rose, the family was going to come into it and uh, and all the things that surrounded that. But, uh, yes, I mean, Christopher Eccleston came on and he was playing the Doctor uh, really as a, not tragic, but a wounded Doctor and uh, and quite dark and as people have said i think it was merlin in the chat the uh the, the dressed like a german u-boat captain but um he needed rose he he needed her zest for life you know that um and i think i mentioned this in one of the earlier podcasts it, it was a little bit like um one of the famous classic uh books rebecca where you know uh the 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 old chap who's lost his previous wife is just really lost his zest for life then he comes across the young girl Rebecca uh, and um, it get, brings him back into the world and he starts wanting to take her all over the place and show her things and that was w what I saw the, the very start of it and um, I mean there was only one downside that I think I commented about with I didn't like he did something which we in the UK call gurning which is where you pull this sort of strange face because uh, he's slightly jug-eared his poor Christopher. Sorry about that, Christopher. But uh, when he was pulling these faces, um, like uh, you said, Lewis, he, you know, he did make a little bit of a comic side to himself. And we'd never seen Christopher Eccleston smile in, in all the other things I'd seen him. And he'd been such a serious actor that it, that it looked um, quite disquieting on his face. He could just turn, as you said, on a dime. And I mean, even those little glimpses at the very beginning of this podcast, some of the speeches that he came out with, I mean, admittedly, there were the writers doing them, but the conviction, the the, the honesty, the, um, the heartfelt way in which uh, these uh, statements that uh, he brought out, that he was going to come for us, he was going to save it, he was going to overcome these obstacles. And there was a real feeling that he was the doctor that you could depend on. And let's not forget, um, this Doctor Who came into a world of multi-channel TV. I mean, um, the idea of a family viewing in the UK had almost disappeared. <clears throat> and Doctor Who brought it back almost single-handedly um, because it was, again, one of these programmes where it's not children's television now, it's family viewing from, you know, 8 to 80. And um, it really did very, very quickly, almost it seemed, within three weeks, it became a must-see, gather around the TV, uh, show to watch. And um, it was only perhaps a little bit later that, you know, one of us, one or two of us old, uh, hard-to-please people were worrying about us staying on Earth too much and so on. But really, I mean, like Father's Day, Empty Child, The Doctor Dances, and then, of course, the appearance of uh, Captain Jack. This series was was really um, secured, 
secured by his acting, the writers, and I suppose Russell T. Davis for, for having the strength to, to get it to our screens in such a, um, a well-done manner. And, and there seemed to be quite a bit of money spent on it. So that's an all, a long introduction again, Lewis. So, um, hey, we also have to uh, acknowledge that, and, and someone, as someone who is not a huge fan of the Daleks, uh, they also brought the Daleks back in, in grand fashion, uh, first, by introducing the Dalek solo to establish its its power, and that one Dalek uh, it, with a, making a comparison to the first Alien movie. The first Alien movie establishes how powerful one single alien is, and then in the sequel, when they launch a bunch of them, dozens of them, hundreds of them, you have a respect for the power that each individual one possesses. Well, the same thing happened with, with Dalek. The first Dalek episode in, in the Christopher Eccleston show was one single Dalek that could wipe out the entire world. And then when we get to the, the finale of the series, when you have hundreds or thousands of Daleks and you understand their enormous power, there's, there's a weight given to that. Where in the old show... In the old days, you could have a bunch of Daleks, and you just assumed that they were going to bumble around and bump into each other. And yeah, they were dangerous because they could fire a gun. I mean, there were a few Dalek episodes in the classic series where they were they bordered on comical. Uh, they they didn't seem to have the, the the threat or the seriousness that they deserved. Um, the Daleks were brought back with great care, and I think it's something that that Terry Nation would be proud of. And uh, I think that's one of the reasons why the Daleks were allowed perhaps by the nation estate to, to reappear, not only because I probably got a, quite a sizable check for it, um, but I'm sure Davey said, look, you know, this is, we've, we're Doctor Who fans. We, we know how to do this. We want to have a, a good time and, and bring the Daleks back in high style, and they did it. Yeah, and, and although we are talking about Christopher's uh, contribution to it and and, and obviously that uh, means the whole first series. Uh, one of the great innovations, of course, were these confidentials because that really created uh, even more of a buzz around the series. There were other things to talk about. There were insights, uh, the trailers, the music, um, the whole, um, what would you call it? The whole um, blueprint. The complete package. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It, 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 it was... Um, Something called gestalt, isn't it? Where the sum of the parts, the whole was greater than the sum of the parts. Mm -hmm. uh, but Christopher Eccleston obviously was a linchpin to that. I mean, you, you break the series down to almost any particular facet, and there's something extraordinary to be appreciated. The writing is excellent. The acting is excellent. The production design is excellent. The music is excellent. Everything the, the, that Every uh, aspect of the show was was considered, and uh, there was no part that was cheaped out on. There was no part where they said, well, we can skimp on this. There's no the Casio keyboard music or, you know, wobbly sets or any of that. Yeah, the time was a great and, hit and, as well, wasn't it? And many times when, when science fiction shows uh, go all out on their – on their production design and their special effects and what they're going to show you, they completely forget that there has to be a script involved. And that wasn't the case with the new, with the new Doctor Who, and in particular in, in Eccleston's era. 
The stories were just as important as they would have been in 1973 or 1968 or 1977. It didn't matter. The scripts were still important. Absolutely. If you don't have a script to start with, I mean, um, even somebody like Christopher would have had to struggle. But um, he obviously, um, you know, he wasn't spouting rubbish. He he was giving those lines and... Um, and and the whole uh, way that they because he gradually changed, didn't he, from the the dark brooding doctor at the first to the, uh, the 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 fear that he showed when he saw that first Dalek, as you said, in in that cavern, and then um, uh, some of the the things that he went through uh, before he lightened up a little bit with Captain Jack, and um, also of course with this series we we had quite a considerable range of fear factors, didn't we, from uh, some quite light things to um, the empty child, which um, uh, I still think ranks amongst one of the the top stories of all the seasons so far. Absolutely, and, and a dark, mysterious story. I love the period that they chose. I love the, the the spooky factor to the show with the whole, you know, mommy. In in traditions of Alfred Hitchcock or um, Spielberg's Close Encounters or or the sixth sense, you have this, um, this this cold, chilling effect going on without ever being gory or horrific. It's simply because a little boy in a mask is saying, are you my mommy? That scares the hell out of people more than, than blood and gore. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we have... Um... We have a few people waiting in the wings, um, callers. I want to remind everyone this is a live show, and we do have, um, you're welcome to call in. And um, to do that, just call 724-444-7444. Our, call, our um, call ID number when you call, it's um, 23358. Once again, that's 23358. And you'll be um, uh, connected to us, and we'll get to hear your opinion as well. So. Um, but waiting in the rings right now, we have um, Michael from the Tin Dog Podcast. Hello, Michael. Thanks, guys. I couldn't possibly let the ninth doctor go by without me phoning up and saying just what I thought. Well, I'm glad you did. Oh, that's great. Um, just getting back to what you were talking to. Oh, sorry. For comedy purposes, I need at this point just to say ditto. And then we'll let it go. <laughs> No, I, I just wanted to say that um, I downloaded Rose early. I will put my hand up to that. I know they asked us not to, but it wasn't oh, as if I did. wasn't going no, to watch it overnight. None, no, none of us listening no, here of us did, did. did that, no. No, no, I was, I was given a disc um, by someone who I didn't recognize in a car park uh, underground. Uh, <laughs> he threw us something. Uh, that was you? Sure. I took the disc. Well, there you go. <laughs> and um, I... I toyed with the idea. I was thinking, shall I watch it with everyone else? Or shall I just give in? And I went to my friend's house and we looked at it and went, oh, sod it, shove it in. So we put the disc into his little PC and it was like watching old Doctor Who because you were kind of sitting around watching it on a, on a fairly small monitor with not particularly great sound quality coming out of speakers. And then it started. And oh, I was so happy. Oh, it was wonderful just sitting there because I was so so nervous because 
things like we'd, we'd been bitten so badly by McGann, not by the person, obviously, he didn't come around and sort of sink his teeth into you, but I was at a convention once where, no, leave it there, um, it was just, just so, so scary just beforehand because the show that you loved and that you was such a deep part of your life was was coming back and everyone else was going to have an opinion and a lot of people had really bad opinions of this show it had become it had become the thing you were frightened to tell people about you, you were literally a closet Doctor Who fan before this and it was a brave person who would sort of announce that they were a Doctor Who fan and sort of come out and say that at the time we'd uh, I wasn't I wasn't a Star Trek fan, I was an unemployed Doctor Who fan, if I put it that way. I watched Star Trek, I watched Buffy, I was a huge, huge thing. Is the sound quality in and out again? A bit. It sounds like you're underwater at times. Okay, um, can I go away, try a different mic, and then come back, would that help? Absolutely. Okay, I'll disappear and get another mic if you want to talk to someone else, because I, I am just rambling about rubbish, so you're probably missing out anyway, but back later. All right, thank you, Michael. Thanks. Uh, you mentioned uh, our phone number before. I failed to mention that the easiest way and the, probably the best way to interact with us while we're doing these live shows is come to talkshoot.com, and um, you can interact that way in a live chat session. Uh, if you don't have a, um, you don't have to call in if you don't have to. There's a there's the shoe phone that Talkshoot provides. There's two ways to interface with us. There's the classic application based. Um, user interface that you can view chat and participate or that now they have a new um, way to do that that's strictly via the web and you don't need to download any software and you don't even need to, um, to be a, a member so um, but uh, membership is free we um, really advocate it and um, it's it's a you know will show up on our screens here you'll enter the queue and it's just um, it's really the best way to interact with us when we do in these live shows so we're going to go to um, Emily from Ohio. Hello, Emily. Hello. Hi, you're on Dr. Who Podshock. Welcome back. Hey, what's going on? How are you? Very good. Oh, I'm good, too. I'm rocking, hip-hopping. Um, rolling. <laughs> yeah, so the nice doctor, okay? I know that he's probably not the best doctor, but he was the first doctor I saw, and he's my doctor. Um... I, I really enjoyed kind of the Tom Baker-esque part about him, how he could go from, uh, you know, excited and hilarious to very, almost kind of scary in a sense, um, to almost making you want to cry when, I still cry when he tells Rose, you were fantastic, um, which is kind of pathetic, but whatever. I mean, I, I think that, um, I have to agree with you, though. Uh, the, the thing about the first series of Doctor Who is that, I think it's the best series, personally. Um, I think that cause, because of Christopher Eccleston and even Billy Piper, I thought that they had one of the greatest teams since McCoy and Ace. Um, so, and I'm sorry, am I talking too much? No, I keep going. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I just really thought that he was also probably one of the best actors to play the Doctor um, because of his range and Maybe because he was allowed to do stuff, and I think that's what you kind of needed to bring back the series from a nine freaking year hiatus. Um, and you know, I just have maybe I'm just blinded by smile and his hot voice, but um, you know, and I just 
I, maybe the part of it's because he was only there for one series, because I was just falling in love with him. And the fact that they took him away from me, <laughs> maybe that's why I love him so much. You know, maybe it's that whole Firefly thing where sometimes the shorter you live because you never had the chance to start sucking, the more you like it. When you saw the first series, uh, you, you say it's your first Doctor. Had you watched any of the classic stuff at all, or was it completely new to you? It was completely new to me. Oh, in some ways I envy you for that, but on the other hand, we, I've had so much enjoyment from the earlier series, perhaps not, but, um, I mean, did were your friends watching it and listening to it? Are, are you an oddball, Emily? <laughs> Um, and suburban Dublin in Columbus, Ohio, yeah, pretty much every geek I've ever met that's into sci-fi is on the internet, you know, so, you know, it, it was kind of like, um, the whole thing where I got into, um, Heroes and I saw Claude and I started to get into sci-fi like Battlestar Galactica or Star Trek or Firefly and, you know, I said to myself, I'm going to give Doctor Who a chance and here, here we are. Oh, we're glad you did. But, but I envy you, David, because you've been around for the whole series. Oh, yeah. Been around and a you... long time. <laughs> <laughs> the trouble is I can't regenerate, Emily. That's the only trouble. Now, if we uh, crack that problem, we're, 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 we're on a roll. I'm working on it, Dave. I'm working on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was what the test was with the hot coffee earlier, was it? Yes. <laughs> so David, far, my David, finger hasn't regenerated. I've just got to boil. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, thank you so much, Emily. I really appreciate all your input every time um, you participate, participate in the show. So, um, um, yeah, so feel free Bye. to always chime in. Thanks a lot. All I right, think we're gonna Tim go Dog's, to... uh, gone out and he's trying to come back in again. Yeah, I asked him to put himself back in the queue when he does. Um, in the meantime, we have Romana 2 on, on line 1. <laughs> hey, Romana 2. Hello. Good to have yeah. you back on the show. Hey, it's good to be back. Welcome from the world tomorrow, Monday morning over here. <laughs> oh, that's right, yeah. And yeah. You're in Australia, right? Yes, I Happy um, Australia Day, right? Oh, yesterday and then tomorrow yes. is officially observed. Yes. See that? Yes. Um, Happy day. Actually, don't get to work. Don't get to go to work today because of it. So, yeah. Well, I never mind that. You should have been watching the tennis. I was up at eight thirty this morning watching the tennis. Last the tennis. <laughs> Not interested. Right, <laughs> Christopher. Then come on. Yes. Anyway. I'll start off by saying that I missed Christopher's Fest season completely when it was originally broadcast. I came into the series halfway through um, the 2006 series. So I can't really say like Emily that um, he was my first Doctor because he wasn't. Um, so I kind of came into it with the view of watching the 10th Doctor, kind of wanting to see what happened before I came in. So that's where my story with the... Um, 2005 series is. Um, once season two came to an end, I actually got to catch it on UK TV over here in Australia. And over, I really enjoyed the season and I really like the doc, um, Chris Jackson as the Doctor. Um, I like the darkness element in his character, but at times I felt he was a little bit too angsty. I don't know. Um, 
I still liked his character and how he pitched it and the performance and yeah, loved Captain Jack in the series. He's effortlessly become one of my favourite characters in Who. And Rose was certainly less annoying and certainly more um, clingy than she was here in season two, which I enjoyed. Because I was starting, she was starting to grate on me by the end of season two. But going back to her beginnings as a character, I can see what a good character she was and kind of mellowed me a bit with that aspect of season two. But anyway, um, highlights of the season were certainly Empty Child, Dr. Dancers, as well as the Dalek Story and Father's Day. They were probably my favourite episodes of the season. Um, what else to say? I don't know. Was there a buzz about it? In our, well, I know you said you didn't catch it first time, but I mean, yeah. was there any sort of a buzz about it? Or did they make any fuss on the, the TV stations? Well, they made so much of a fuss that I didn't even know it was on, basically. <laughs> I remember it being on ABC very, very kind of vaguely back in 2005. I think I remember just flicking through one day because my grandparents are um, from England. So... Um, never been watching Doctor Who since the 60s, but my parents have never been into it. But I remember my grandparents talking about it, saying, oh, it's back, it's back. And I'm going, oh, okay, I might check it out. And I think I remember catching, like, the first episode of the Empty Child thing because I just remember these things in masks walking around and my parents um, promptly switched it off so I never got to watch it because this was back in the day before I had my own TV and other memes at my disposal. So, um... Yeah, no, there wasn't that much buzz about it. I didn't even know it was on. The only reason I got got into it was I actually went to a meeting um, of the Doctor Who Club of Australia um, where they were screening series two, and that's how I first got into it. So I had no idea it was around before. Yeah. And And I always... You heard sorry? Emily before. Sorry, you heard. Sorry, yeah. You heard Emily before. You saying that she thought series one was the the best of the three series so far. Does yeah. That, is that what you agree with? Or? No, unfortunately, no. I think series three is the best of the three so far. That's just me though, because I'll talk about this next time that David Tennant is my doctor. Yeah. I'm the yeah. opposite of Emily. So, yeah. Maybe because it's just the first one I saw. I guess it's always the first one you see that really becomes the one that you kind of judge future doctors on. I don't know. That's just me. Mm. Many times that's the case. Um, If it's it's not your favorite doctor, at least that first doctor that you've seen that always retains a special meaning. Um, Even if you find another one that you may like more, that that first one that you see is that grand exposure to the series and the world of Doctor Who, and it always holds that special place. Um, at yeah. least it's been my experience. Mm. Yeah, I've gone back in, in the past in, um, and watched some of the classic series um, by means of my friend's um, DVD collection. And I've grown to really like Tom Baker and Peter Davison as well. Mm-hmm. So, But still, if someone asks me who's my favourite doctor, I'll still say Mr. David. So, yes. So as uh, Ken's wife will say, Mr. Hardy, Dr. Hardy. Yeah. Oh, Miss, yes, Dr. Hardy, yes. Don't get me started <laughs> on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Well, um, thank you so much, Romano, too. No worries. And um, happy Australia Day. Thank you. And have a good Sunday afternoon. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> we're celebrating Australia Day, too. We're an international podcast, so we're more than happy hey. to celebrate Australia Day. 
Fantastic. Uh, cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye. See you guys. Bye. All right, we're going to, uh, Mike is back, so we're going to um, hear what Mike had to say. He had some audio problems before. I, I just want to make a comment that we didn't really kind of touch base on was that the chemistry that the ninth doctor had with that Christopher Eccleston had with Billy Piper, you know, playing Rose, I, I thought it was worked very well. I, I thought it worked better. I think Ro the character Rose played better with the ninth doctor than, um, than the 10th doctor to no fault to David Tennant, but it's just the chemistry. I just thought was more spot on with, um, the ninth doctor and Rose and even Captain Jack, when they had the, the, the threesome, well, that sounds a little kinky when they had the three on board, the TARDIS, it's just, um, I, I thought the chemistry there worked very well together as well. And um, we're going to go to um, go back to Mike. Hey, Mike, are you, are you still gargling or are you, are you done gargling? Okay, it's time to find out. Am I gargling? No. <laughs> you, sound, you sound good right now. Okay, well, I'll take it nice and slow and we'll see if that helps. Okay. Um, let me see. Basically, I was just talking about what it was like just beforehand when people were ashamed to be Doctor Who fans. and We were kind of expecting the possibility that Doctor Who might have been brought back as a comedy, something that was taking the mick out of what it was perceived as. That had been mentioned by a lot of people at the time. And when they talked about um, the assistant, as she was then referred to rather than the companion, uh, Rose being played by Billy Piper, a lot of people's hearts sank because all we knew her for were two things. She'd been a teen pop singer who sang a song that basically the chorus was because we want to, because we want to, and it repeated a lot, and you kind of just wanted to slap her about. And the other thing she was famous for was getting extremely drunk with her then-husband, who was a TV presenter, and they'd both sort of vanished in order just to spend a couple of years getting drunk. So you kind of didn't have very high expectations of her performance, and boy was I wrong. Eyebrow Girl, as she came to be known around our way, was just marvellous. And I've got a feeling I'm gargling again, am I? Well, not really. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> no, we, we, there was some sort of background just... noise, but it wasn't you gargling. Oh, right, fair enough. I have no idea what that was. I've even locked the cat in another room. Um, oh no, not the cat. Uh, it was just great. Rose was pitched perfectly. Russell had so learned all of the lessons from the 96 movie and turned them on his head. Everything that we, we were presented with, um, with the Eighth Doctor, was turned around. I mean, there was things I really just didn't like, but that was the old school fan in me coming out. And I really had to admit that the series now belonged to everyone else. I didn't like Christopher Eccleston's casting because I knew which voice he was going to use. If anyone's seen... For me, Time Lord is a title, right? It's a lord. Therefore, you're a bit posh. Now, as you can hear from my voice, I'm not a bit posh. I'm from the north because every planet's got a north. That's fair enough. <laughs> but I want, I want my doctor to be a bit posh. I can... I understand Russell's whole let's not put him in a velvet jacket thing because that alienates people. And I suppose it does. But I just wanted him to use the voice that he'd used in um, Elizabeth, the, um, the, the movie, the, the historical film, because it was, it was posh. He played a lord in that, and he played um, the Earl of Essex. I, I could be wrong. 
Um, so I knew he was capable of doing that performance. The performance, otherwise, was great. A little bit of comedy was thrown in with that plastic hand thing attacking him, but we, we kind of let it go. But there were moments where Russell really could have messed up. He could have said something along the lines of cloaking device, which made people cringe. But no, it was a disguise. It was um, He was proud of his TARDIS. He explained it with time and relative dimension in space. Enough tiny little touches to keep the old school fans happy. And we were. We were happy. I must admit, although I'd seen the episode early, I did actually write to Russell. And uh, it was a little bit fawning. I'll admit that. Um, I did say that the T in Russell T. Davis stands for the safe pair of hands. And um, admittedly, at the time, that's exactly how I felt. Because the guy had really, really tried, and he'd done a great job. The thing that surprised me the most, though, was the design of the inside of the TARDIS. That completely blew me away. I didn't like the door. It was too Peter Cushing movie for my liking. But it was... It was just glorious seeing it. Um, I, I was I was literally blown away. I was very, very impressed. The design was just great. And I couldn't believe how high, the de- how much money had gone into this. People really believed in it. I was so impressed. But like you say, we the story is pitched from Rose's point of view. And that's fine. Th- there was a letter at the time in, uh, in Doctor Who magazine. And it said, um, this was about a month into the run of Doctor Who and and it was from a woman and she'd written saying "Um, I've heard that Doctor Who's coming back I'm really looking forward to it coming back however until it does come back I'm going to watch this new show that's on on Saturday tea times with this northern bloke in it Um, and uh, it's about a woman who travels in time and space and it's got this bloke with her who's a driver Um, I don't know what the show's called I think it's called Rose and to a lot of people the old school fans that was kind of how it felt but that was what it should have felt like that was right End of the world, following week, so much better. But of course, it wasn't the following week to anyone who downloaded it. It was about two months later. We had a two-month hiatus in between seeing Rose and the end of the world. It was tearing us apart. Uh, or Not that anyone hadn't downloaded it, of course. We've, we've covered this already. Um, the, I, I like to think of the first three as, as the trilogy. That's what you show people if they want to see new Doctor Who. Because I, I think Unquiet Dead for me is one of the highlights of the series. It's, it's, it's the best Christmas episode there has been since it came back. And it wasn't on at Christmas, which I think says a lot. Yeah, I, 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 I just... I, I think yeah. I tend to agree. I, I think that's a strong episode. It, it, it plays, it has a, a holiday theme in it, but it wasn't overbearing. And um, I, I think it worked very well. And of course, it was a Mark Gatiss story, which always goes down well in my group. And, and after that, then, then we hit the first bump for me. For me and my friends when we discussed it Aliens of London and World War Three. It so was the Slovene. Yes, yes. Yeah, we were sitting there going. <laughs> going, can we have our show back, please? And then, then we were sort of sitting there in the pub going, it's not our show anymore. It's their show. It's, it's the people who are, it's not we, the classic fans amongst us. It's, it's just, sort of sitting there going, I want it back. I want to be able to sit them down and say no. But it had little nods to units and things like that. And, you know, it had some wonderful performances. I just didn't like the Slovene. I, I wasn't fond. But that was all right, because the following week, this was when I was really worried because I was I paid money way in advance to go to a Firefly convention um, in London and uh, it was it was the Saturday evening 
and uh, we we all sort of got together to watch to watch it on uh, on the hotel screens, uh, hotel big screen, the one that normally reserved for the sport, just before the evening fancy dress competition. Now, if anyone remembers and used to go to these things, I, I used to take the fancy dress competitions just a little bit too seriously. Um, not a surprise, a Doctor Who fan taking sci-fi a little bit too seriously. <laughs> Who would have thought it? But that night. A lot of us, we, we sat around, and there was a lot of, you know, um, Firefly fans who had, had a certain expectation of sci-fi, and a lot of them were quite young and couldn't really remember the the new the old the classic series, uh, and there was a lot of people who were sort of, oh no, we're not going to watch that, but Dark was so great, watching it with with hundreds of people. It, sorry, I've just noticed on the, the chat as my voice started vibrating again. Yeah, you're underwater again. <laughs> okay. Uh, if you'd like me to log out, that, that's not a problem. It's, it, or should I just sort of keep going a little? Well, if, if you can wrap things up, we'll go to Fairpoint and um, who's next in the queue. Not a problem. Basically, um, on the Dalek story, um, it, was, it was very nice that night. And of course, I, I did win the fancy dress competition. But that's not important. I was going to work my way through the whole series. It's not important. The thing that, like Dave, annoyed me was that we were going to lose the Doctor as soon as we'd got him. Within a fortnight of the series starting, we knew Eccleston was going. And some of the old series people who thought the Doctor only had sort of, you know, 13 lives were thinking, you're, you're going through them too fast. Calm down. Slow down. We need you to stay for a few years. But the ninth Doctor was encapsulated perfectly in that time. And, of course, if you taped it off the TV, there was always an advert for Casanova after at least three of the episodes. So they were trying to get you to go, oh, by the way, have a look at this guy. It'll be important later on. So they obviously knew what was happening because there were adverts for, for Casanova just a little bit too more often than you would have liked. I didn't notice them until I started watching reruns. Well, just to fill people in that may not know, um, that stars uh, David Tennant Casanova, just in case you didn't know. Oh, yes, of course. Sorry about that. It, it's well worth seeing that there's... That, to see the differences, if, if you think, um, if you if you like the Doctor kissing people at random, go and see Casanova. It's ideal. Yeah, but <laughs> I, as a classic fan, I did did wonder at things like um, the loss of Gallifrey. You know that that the, the time war lovely idea, bringing back the Daleks, very very well executed. Um, I don't know things, the Torchwood scenes like uh, seeds that were planted here, like. Um, the Unquiet Dead, where it takes place, that's where the TARDIS first materialises, and then later on in Boomtown, where you basically get Torchwood beginning. I don't know, I, I was not fond, but Torchwood, I think, is finding its legs, but the, the seeds are definitely here. I, I wasn't fond of Bad Wolf Part 1, and the least said about the long game, the better. But this was an extremely strong series, and the TARDIS looked great, and everybody was great. And I was so happy to be able to finally stand up and go, yes, I am a Doctor Who fan. I've been one for years. Where were you all this time? So that's kind of my view of the Ninth Doctor's time. I can't recommend any big finished discs on the grounds that I don't think he's ever going to do any. <laughs> oh, well. Well, um, if he ever does, we'll be the first to review it here. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks for having me, guys. Well, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure, Michael. And um, once again, no be sure to listen to the Tin Dog Podcast. You can find that uh, via iTunes or um, go to our website, thegallifreyandembassy.org, and uh, look through our uh, web, web resources where we have a link to it there and uh, check it out. Well, thanks very much for the plug there. And uh, I'll 
I'll speak to you next time. Pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, well, we have uh, Fairport in uh, waiting in the wings. He's up next. Hello there. Uh, good morning from Orange County. Jay, right? That's correct. Right. Yes. Um, you know, before I start, um, I would just like to say that I uh, have made an excellent purchase recently. Um, the men's baseball version of the Gallifreyan Embassy T-shirts. And oh. um, may I just say sleek, stylish, and dare I say even sexy. Well, thank yes. you. I, I know we're, it's been a while since we've up. We, we really need to update our um, our clothesline, if you will, our, our fashion <laughs> line. <laughs> it's, yeah, well, um, Tommy Hilfinger was busy this week. Otherwise, yeah. he wouldn't help us out. So, um, gentlemen, I, I I have to say, be be the first one on your block to have a Gallifreyan Embassy T-shirt. Uh, it's. I can personally say it'll be the closest I'll ever be to uh, being like James. I'm. I'm now, <laughs> That's all we could all hope for. I am. I'm now. I'm walking up to women. I'm confidently saying hello. hello. I know James Knowlton, baby. <laughs> and you know, nine times out of ten, I get slapped. But that tenth time, it's magic. It's <laughs> <laughs> James Factor. That's good stuff. Yes, and uh, and and thanks for the the shout out and the plug for the the Gallifrey Embassy swag. As we're only a few weeks away from Gallifrey 2008, the 19th. 19th Gallifrey Convention out in Los Angeles. So if anybody's going, wear your Gallifrey Embassy or Podshock uh, apparel. Mm. That'd be, well, Lewis and I will be rocking ours. Yes, I'll be stocking up on apparel, no doubt. <laughs> oh, one other quick mention before you, you go into your thing, we were, and we're giving shameless plugs. Um, we, we've stumbled across a brand new convention happening in July 2008 here in the uh, in the United States. It's going to be in Boston, Massachusetts in July, and we put a link in our link section. It's called JumpCon, and it does feature three, three Doctor Who guests. So we, we stand up and we applaud JumpCon here uh, in the Northeast for having uh, three Doctor Who guests, Fraser Hines, Deborah Watling, and Mary Tam. It's spectacular. Good work, boys. And girls. <laughs> and that's not the only guests. I mean, there's there's a list of a few dozen guests, and the JumpCon link is on the Gallifrey Embassy website. Uh, apparently, they're doing some kind of convention tour because Boston is one of many stops, including Connecticut, Pittsburgh, I believe, uh, Washington, uh, a bunch of different places. So we're going to keep our eye out and see which conventions have Doctor Who guests and and see if we can uh, let everybody know that uh, you know when Doctor Who guests are in their neck of the woods, and and perhaps Lewis and I will hit the road. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we will definitely. And also that United FanCon has announced for their November convention, which is also moving to Boston, uh, that George Takei is has been announced as one of the guests for this year. Not a, a Doctor Who guest, but a great guest just the same. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, we Sorry, know, actually, before, before we wrap up the show, we're going to remind everyone about um, Gallifrey uh, 19. And um, we want to make sure that it, as many people um, can go, you know, that can go, will go. And um, we hope to see you all there. But um, we're, we're keeping Jay in the wings. So, Jay. No, no, oh, no. Sorry. No. Yeah. No problem. I, well, uh, you know, what is there to say? I mean, uh, 
as it's been mentioned many, 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 many times before, Russell T. D. Russell T.'s uh, greatest strength is character-driven dialogue and casting. And um, it goes without saying that Christopher Eccleston is a consummate actor. His performance always stands in support of the story, always moving the plot forward. And uh, you know, although the Ninth Doctor certainly lives for the adventure, and oftentimes his facial expressions can you know hardly contain his enthusiasm for the traveling lifestyle. Eccleston's portrayal, it, it's, it's never flippant. It's never overly confident. And uh, for me, you know, that's the biggest difference between Eccleston and at least later Tom Baker. You, you always feel the danger with the Ninth Doctor. And if it wasn't for Eccleston, I, I'm not certain how frightened audiences would have been of farting monsters and a goofy kid in short pants running around asking for his mommy. Okay, okay, to be honest, I was scared senseless by that little tyke. Um, the Empty Child Doctor Dances, uh, along with Father's Day, are probably my two favorite episodes of, of new Doctor Who. So um, thank you, Mr. Moffat. Thanks, Mr. Cornell. Um, I must say that I, I also want to take some umbrage with the serious brooding Doctor tag that some critics and fans uh, have labeled the ninth Doctor. Eccleston, in fact, I, I truly believe, had some of the funniest lines in the entire history of Doctor Who. Um, I would say the second meeting of Rose uh, and the Doctor at Rose's flat is absolutely played for laughs. And Eccleston eats up every line of dialogue. Uh, you know, where Tom Baker kind of mastered that infectious Harpo Mark smile, uh, Eccleston adopted an, you know, an equally alien-like Stan Laurel-like grin that just ingratiated me to the character immediately. And, um, you know, from an American point of view, if the new series was going to work for today's audiences, the show that, you know, the first series desperately needed a doctor who could display that right mix, you know, of, of passion and uh, humor and, and that single-mindedness mind, for the task. And, and Eccleston gave us that doctor in spades. I mean, next to Tom Baker, I would say Eccleston is the most important doctor in terms of acceptance outside of the U.K. So anyway, I, I, I've rambled on long enough, and I'll, I'll pass the mic back to you, Lewis and Ken. So thanks for letting me have a say. Well, Jay, that's a good point, that um, not only did um... – Christopher Eccleston bring the series back, but it also introduced the series once again overseas to all new audiences because um, it was that series, it was his series that, um, that, that, that came to America, that obviously went to Canada. In fact, um, it was a, Canada was underwriting the, the series, and, and it was, um, so it was a given that it, was, it, came, it came to Canada first in North America. Uh, Australia and, um, and and across the world, wherever um, Doctor Who shown, you know, the, uh, the current series, it was um, introduced with Christopher Eccleston um, once again at the helm. Absolutely. I mean, there's an entire new generation. My own nieces, um, they own, uh, the first Doctor for them is Christopher Eccleston. Um, no matter how many times I've, you know, uh, put in something like The Five Doctors, um, they still refer to, to Eccleston as, you know, the first doctor. Mm -hmm. And um, that's natural, you know. Um, and uh, Eccleston definitely deserves our thanks. I mean, uh, I know I, I wish we could have had another series with him, but it was short and it was sweet. And um, uh, if I ever meet the man, I would certainly, you know, shake his hand and thank him profusely. I think we all would. And, um, you know, as short as it was, it was um, quality there all throughout. And I think, um, you know, I think Ken made a mention before, if we never see Christopher Eccleston again, I think that's first, that, that one year still stands on its own. It's still a testimony to Christopher Eccleston, how strong of a presence he has that 
um, that that it, it's not weak in any way. It's still very strong. That 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 series one. Absolutely, um, and I have to agree with with Michael from Ten Dog. I I, <laughs> I doubt seriously we'll ever see you know um, big finish audios with uh, Christopher Eccleston and uh, Billy Piper, but uh, one can always hold hope, and and um, uh, I certainly hope he he. Um, warms himself back to the series sometime in the future. Never say never. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe they said that about Sean Connery, too. <laughs> and then in 1983, we get, uh, yeah, never say never again. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again, Joe. Thanks. Have a good day, everyone. You too. Thanks. Bye. Ninja Man 6. Hello. Hey. How are you? Good. How about y'all? How are y'all doing? We're hanging in there. What are your thoughts about um, the Ninth Doctor? Um, I I enjoyed it so much. I mean, like you said, back to bringing Doctor Who back because I mean, I remember I remember when I first started seeing Doctor Who back then was 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 Colin Baker, and I remember seeing a little bit of D- Peter Davison, a little Col- Colin Baker, and a little bit of Sylvester McCoy, but I don't remember them as well as uh, as Baker was. I guess because I saw more episodes of Baker than the other other guys with the Doctor. But um, yeah, he just had a, brought a different different take to it. I mean, <laughs> did you ever did you did you guys see did you see him Eccleston in the movie Twenty Eight Days Later? I mean, the one he yes, I did. No, I've not seen that. No, it's a it's it's a science fiction or horror theme movie where he plays a um a corporal or he plays a the major. He's a major. major. He's he's in the military and well I won't give anything away but he he plays a very different character than the doctor. Yeah, uh, I saw him in another movie recently. Out of a children's movie called uh, The Seeker, The Dark Is Rising. He played a villain in that one. It was a lot different too. But I, I guess I can just see how 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 Eccleston as an actor is. He just he has a different range of just doing all types of different types of characters out there. But or from what I've seen of him so. Far, Jason, I'm I'm sorry, your your audio is being cut off. You still there? I'm still here. Okay. Yeah, you were breaking up there for a minute. Oh, I'll just... yeah, I think we lost you again. All right. Well, um, I do apologize, Jason. It's not your fault. Um, it's this uh, technology. <laughs> where this is a very popular show we got here going here. We have a lot of people calling in um, in the stream and also streaming. Uh, they're chatting so. Um, I think the bandwidth is being um, pushed to the max here. Oh, okay. No problem. Oh, well, we're hearing you now. Any last comments before we go to the next caller? Uh, I was just going to say real quick, uh, I was watching one of the older Doctor Who's other night, uh, one with Colin Baker. Uh, I think mm-hmm. it was called Revelations of the Daleks. I didn't realize that one of the uh, characters in that storyline was in the, uh, the Christmas, the Voyage of the Dam special. I don't know if you guys picked that up or not. The one that was the tour guy in the Voyage of the Gang who's talking about Earth and everything. He's one of the other characters. Oh yeah, um, oh, he, um, Clive Swift. Which was Colin Baker, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the mortuary attendant or something. Right, right, right. I don't know if you had picked that up. I was watching the. the... Yeah, he's um, he's a, isn't he also in um one of the Britcoms that's. That's very popular here. Um, I can't think of the name of it. Uh, uh, Hyacinth Bouquet. That yeah, Bouquet. He plays yeah, a that's, husband. Yes. But what, what is it? Um, keeping Up Appearances? Is that what it's called? 
I'm sorry? Uh, I think it's called yeah. Keeping Up Appearances. Yeah, I think that's the name where his wife's Hyacinth Bouquet and they play yes. a, she plays a snob. Yeah. Hello, Mrs. Bucket. Bouquet. I'm <laughs> oh, sorry, you have to see it. Uh, we're going to go to back to Emily in the queue. Thank you once again, Jason. I'm sorry about the audio oh. problems. Welcome back, Emily. Up from Ohio. Hey, how's it going? Bananas are good. Bananas okay, are always um, good. Actually... <laughs> Let's um, some potassium. She, she likes to drop that in every time. <laughs> that's true. But and if you I, have I a thought... sonic banana, that's even better. Mm, oh, yeah. Um, but I thought Christopher Eccleston's doctor was, was actually really funny. I actually really enjoyed that he was serious and, and funny. And, and that's not a play on David Tennant, but I actually liked the idea that he was a, a little more spontaneous in that way. And, and let me say, the, one of the best things about Series 1, Captain Jack. And I really miss that team of Captain Jack and, and Rose and, and, and um, the Doctor. And, and I really think, I mean, specifically the ninth Doctor with Rose mm -hmm. and Jack. Yeah, I think it was you know, a, I think a nice chemistry way. there. Mm -hmm. And I think it's part of what, what I, I do rewatch uh, Boomtown for was that uh, chemistry. You know, no matter how campy it was, I still, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. And it was good that Captain Jack came in, but after Christopher Eccleston had firmly established himself as the lead mm -hmm. and, the, and the Doctor. Complimented. Sorry, did Muffet make Captain, Captain Jack, or was that Russell T. Davis telling Muffet to put this character in there out of curiosity? It's uh, a good think... question, and I'm not sure if, um, obviously, it was, um, his story was written, you know, The Empty Child and Doctor Dances was his introduction, and, um, you know, that was written by um, Moffat, but I'm not sure um, if it was with the suggestion of Russell T. Davies to bring his character in and or, or not. I know that, I think it might have been, because I think Russell wanted a someone in there that can really um, carry a gun and didn't want that to be the Doctor. Yeah, I miss that. I don't miss that. Now we have on Torchwood. That was nice anyway. All right. Well, thank you, Emily, once again. And we're going to go to our uh, Australian. Oh my God, my, our, I have Australia on the mind. It's Australia Day in Australia today. It's uh, we're going to go to our our other Canadian correspondent, Russell, who we haven't heard in a long time. We he chimed in on our hundredth episode, and um, he's finally on board with us on Talkshoe. Is that you, Russell? That is me, Lewis. Good to talk to you. It's been ages, it seems, hasn't it? Welcome back. We're glad to have you. And um, so let us hear what you have to say about Christopher Eccleston and the Ninth Doctor and how, um, how, how was he perceived in Canada? I think it went over quite well. As you mentioned before, it, it was a, a co-CBC production. And uh, we got lucky in Canada. Well, lucky for uh, science fiction fans, not lucky for sports fans. And that when Doctor Who came back, we had a hockey strike. And CBC needed something to put on prime time. And Doctor Who got a prime time spot when it came back with Eccleston. So we got spoiled in a way that it was on prime time, 8 o'clock, you know, on a major you know, Canadian television network that, that goes pretty much coast to coast. Mm -hmm. Now, we didn't get so lucky with Series 2 because, you know, Hockey strikes are once in a lifetime. But, um, yeah, I think it was a great way to bring it back to North America, for sure. Mm 
And apparently, in Canada, we didn't get the edits that apparently you guys had to suffer through on the Sci-Fi Channel. Yeah, the, the Sci-Fi Channel really chopped things up. And, um, that's why we were recommending everyone that watching the, you know, the episodes on the Sci-Fi Channel to also you know, buy the DVDs to get the full episodes. or um, Yeah, because I, I, I'm assuming BBC America may have... I'm not sure if they edited them or not. They may have been edits there as well. I don't recall. Right. So, and the, 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 I guess the big advantage that we had to to CBC Two is that because of the hockey strike, the the episodes aired literally uh, weeks after they aired in England, where series two and three got pushed back because of hockey. So it was a perfect. You know, I, I don't think we'll ever get that short of delay between British and Canadian broadcasting again. Yeah, literally, it was ten days. Which, you know, I don't think we'll honestly ever see that again. Well, what's interesting here in the States right now with Torchwood is that we're getting the new Torchwood episodes almost um, immediately. There's um, BBC America is showing show the new, they're like, I guess they're a week behind or whatever, where, you know, on the BBC, they show, this week was the second episode. And I think BBC America is showing the first episode this, this current week or this past week. And next week, I believe, or maybe it's the week after that, um, HDNet is showing um, in high definition episode one of series two of Torchwood. So we're getting it in the States uh, almost, um, you know, immediately after the UK. So that's sweet there. Yeah, you have to make a special deal. Obviously, they, they felt that, you know, what the sense in delaying the show like that six months when people know what's out there. And face it, with the writer strike in the States now, like, what else do they have? Put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to use new British content since no American-based content is being written any right now. So, sad but true. Now, uh, yeah, when it came to the, the Ninth Doctor's era, I thought it was a, it was, it was good to see basically New Who back on TV. You know, we had, you know, we've had almost a decade of Big Finish audio, but we didn't really have anything new. So, I think it was. Definitely good to see, you know, who back with a budget where, you know, much as we all have a fondness for wobbly sets, it's just, you know, it's nice to see something with modern day technology. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was made evident. We said earlier, I don't know if you, I, I think you um, weren't on the, on the feed at that time, weren't on, weren't on listening at the time, but we had mentioned that earlier that with the end of the world, episode two, it, it made a strong statement that this isn't your father's Doctor Who anymore. This is, um, you know, no more wobbly sets. This where this is a serious um, effort being put forth. You know, with a budget and with um, sets that don't wobble <laughs> or CGI that doesn't wobble. Right, and then um, uh, wobbly models either, or you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. All so right, well, yeah, I think that they, they came back. I think with a strong direction. I think. And because he came back strong, that's why we have Series 2, 3, and uh, coming up in, what, two months now? Series 4. Yeah, rumor is that I think The Sun is reporting April 5th as the start date. Again, let's uh, take that with a grain of salt. That's coming from The Sun newspaper. So I think it's, um, if all goes well, it will be April 5th then. So um, we'll wait and see. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it looks like Torchwood will lead right into who, so... You know, at least, at least, you know, let's see, who knows, with with the red strike, maybe we'll have um, 
Doctor Who air quickly in North America as well? We well, can only, we can hope. only hope, yes. Something good come out of the strike, as they've been saying in chat. Uh, Russell, what did you actually think of uh, Christopher Eccleston as a doctor then? Do you, is he I one of your favourites? I'm not one of my favourites. I mean, I still will always have a huge fondness for Tom Baker. Uh, he's the the doctor I grew up with. So, you know, uh, but I think he, he added a new dimension to the character. Certainly added a new hairdo. So, uh, you know, I, I think um, he he was... He was good for what it was. I think, personally, he could have gone another series, but that, that was his choice as an artist. You know, it just it seemed that we were just getting into the depth of what this version was, and then he's done. So, I think he, he, they could have at least, he could have at least done one other one, and probably it would have been a success. Yes, I think there's quite a few of us that are of a similar mind on that. Ken's but he, quiet. Uh, unfortunately, he's he's the the type of actor, and he's made this world like that. He does one thing, and then he's done with it, and that's his style. And they obviously knew that going in. Yeah. Well, um, I think we're going to wrap things up here. We're going on almost ninety minutes here, so <laughs> I think we're all a bit spent. <laughs> Well, well, thank you so a, much. It's been a pleasure. To, yeah, it's been a pleasure to finally actually get connected to this talk show thing after yeah, all this time. Yeah, um, I'm thankful for that. So um, it's um, it's the new web interface that talk show offers. And and just a reminder to everybody out there and talk show, I've still been doing my own podcast coming on to two years in May, getting up to close to my 100. Thank you. It's 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 tough work, Lewis. I I empathize with you always when when it's getting these things out. Ramble with Russell. And that's, yes, uh, and there's a link to that on our website. Once again, if you go to our web resources and go to podcasts, you'll find a link to um, Russell's um, webcast, which is um, you if um if I recall correctly, you you interview different people on each each week, and it's um sort of a you know anthology type of podcast. Yeah, uh, mostly reviews, DVDs, audiobooks, movies, and the occasional guests. I, science fiction. Yeah, I, I had a great science fiction discussion uh, this past week with, with a with a fellow podcaster, and um, still, hopefully, trying to get Colin Baker on my show. Work in progress. Sweet. Yes, I have many questions. All right. Well, thanks again, Russell. Um, I think we're going to wrap things up here. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. And, um, I think I cut them off. Um, well, I do want to thank everyone that participated in today's show. And it's been a long show. We had a lot to talk about. It was, um, Christopher Eccleston brought in the return of Doctor Who. No small feat there, of course, with the help of great writers and Russell T. Davies, of course. Uh, it was a resounding success, I think. And yes, I think longtime fans may have been some. Some disappointments here and there that certain things have changed, but with any any time there's a the Doctor Who is constantly regenerating, not only just the main character but the show itself, and this is once again a regeneration of the show, and it's um it's 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 meant for today's audiences, and um you know we still have our classic Doctor Who to go back to, and you know and we'll, we'll take it from there, but uh, cheers to 
Christopher Eccleston for bringing the series back, and um, and I, as I said, Russell T. Davies and everyone that was involved. Uh, next time on our next live show, which will be in two weeks, we'll be talking about the tenth Doctor, David Tennant. So I urge everyone to join us at that time. But don't forget, in three weeks, we'll be out in L.A. for the big Gallifrey Gallifrey convention, Gallifrey nineteen. And we're going to be doing a show there. We're also going to be doing various interviews there. And we just encourage you, if you can make it there, please be part of the show. It's going to be a lot of fun. And we're looking forward to seeing you there. Right? Isn't that right, Ken? It is. We'll, wear, we'll be wearing our Podshock shirts. Um, but uh, I'm sure you'll find us out either way. <laughs> All right. I, I, I do apologize. I'm, I'm, I'm fighting off a, uh, a nasty cold or whatever here, so I'm, I'm, my energy levels are really low. But thank you once again for being part of the show. Dave, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And um, so thanks again. Come back next time, everyone. We'll see you then. been listening to Doctor Who Podshock Live run by the fan <laughs> by the fan run Gallifreyandembassy.org and presented by Outpost Gallifrey at Gallifrey1.com. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Podshock is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Come back next week for another exciting and informative episode of Doctor Who Podshock. You can email us at feedback at podshock.net. Before I go, I just want to tell you, you were fantastic. <laughs>